Hello, I'm Kate Freeman, and this is The Daily Dollop. On this episode of The Daily Dollop, I'm going to be talking about sleep and its relationship with appetite, weight gain, and managing a healthy weight long term. Plus, I'll be talking through some key tips for getting more of it. Welcome back to the show, everyone. This is The Daily Dollop, and my name is Kate Freeman. I'm a registered nutritionist and the founder of the Healthy Eating Hub and the Healthy Eating Clinic. And the fun fact that I'd like to share with you today in regards to sleep is that I love it, I love sleep, and that I'm not a morning person. And I just want to put it out there that you can be a successful, great person without being an early riser. There, I said it. You know what gets my goat the most is when I see these like memes or posts on social media about early risers and how great they are. Oh, it made me feel bad about myself for years because I just really struggle to wake up. When I wake up in the morning, I feel like I've been hit by a truck. Oh, I wish I was like a border collie, you know, who just wakes up like ready to go. Like, hey, 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 friend, I'm awake immediately. And then just like, go, go, go. I am not. It takes me a good 15, 20 minutes to wake up in the morning. Yeah, and I, but I beat myself up over it for years and years that I just couldn't consistently rise early and I've tried so many things and read so many blog posts and I just got to the point maybe about two, three years ago where I just decided that I was just going to stop trying. So I get woken up with a coffee by my husband at 6.30 in the morning. There's a little clunk on my bedside table I wake up to the aroma and I spend about 20 minutes in bed drinking that coffee and waking up. And I've just allowed myself to just have that time. And then I get up and I get on with my day. But I've just, rather than killing myself trying to rise early and I just get the things I want to get done at other times in the day and I give myself grace in that area. And it is great. And I'm still building my business and doing exercise and achieving what I want in my life without being a hectic early riser. So you just do you because I'm just doing me. But I want to talk about sleep. It's a really interesting topic when it comes to weight management, because it's not something that comes to the forefront of your mind when you're thinking about your ability to either lose weight, if that is your goal, or manage a healthy weight long term, or just generally look after your health. We often, you know, obviously immediately thinking about diet. And of course, this show is about nutrition. But I felt it pertinent to talk about sleep and appetite management in particular and then the subsequent effect that that has on weight because we are currently in a massively sleep-deprived culture environment. The smartphone, tablet, computer screen revolution is causing havoc. I've noticed it in my own life. I've noticed it in the lives of my kids as they've gotten older and you know wanted to spend more time on screens. It affecting their sleep. It, I know what it's like and in affecting my sleep, in clients' sleep lives. But what I've found is as I've worked one-on-one with clients, so if you were to come in and do a consultation with me and say your goal was to lose weight, 
Well, I'm going to help you lose weight one in a realistic and sustainable way. I'm going to help you find the weight that's right for you, not the weight that society says you should be. And I'm also going to look really holistically at your lifestyle with all the things that affect weight because nutrition is not the only factor that affects your weight. Your weight is influenced by also your activity levels, your genetics, your sleep and how much sleep and the quality of your sleep, your stress levels. You know, there's a number of things that go into it. And so when I'm looking holistically at someone's life, I'm often like, you know, how much sleep are you getting? How good it is? I've actually had clients in the past who've had really poor sleep patterns. So they're getting, so it's quite chronic and it's quite acute in that they're getting, you know, three or four hours of sleep a night. And I've actually said to them, I was like, you know what? You can go round and round in circles with trying to get your diet right, but your appetite is out of control because you're exhausted and you'd be better off spending time focusing on improving your sleep so that you then have the capacity to to make more consistent food choices. And, you know, that is potentially was, you know, a, a root cause of their challenge. And so, you know, I think it's important to think about sleep. And so what I want to go into is just a nice little summary of how sleep affects your health. I want to talk about a, a review in particular that was published in the last couple of years around the link between sleep and weight and in particular appetite. And then I'll talk through some tips on how you can get better sleep. So look, it's a basic human function, right? We sleep every day. And if you don't get enough of it, um, you obviously, you know what it's like. For those of you who had small children or even puppies, apparently can keep you up at night and you're sleep deprived. I once pulled an all-nighter for work. I built a website. It's one of the first websites I ever built um, katefreemannutrition.com.au was my first business and I didn't sleep the whole night and then the whole next day and whoa I don't know how people do that regularly because I was not functioning so you know we obviously know the consequences of sleep deprivation and of course if it only happens once or twice occasionally or sporadically it's not really going to have any kind of flow-on effect into other areas of your life. However, if it happens repeatedly and it's something that is a regular part of your life, then you're probably, you know, for those of you who are experiencing chronic sleep deprivation, you'll know the flow on effect that it's having. And so, of course, we know, you know, it's linked to health um, and even productivity. And then we've got the obvious symptoms of sleep deprivation, which is becoming sleepy throughout the day. I remember being a public servant and I've, t- I've told you that I'm a, I used to be a public servant, oh, not for very long because I wasn't a good one. But I do remember, I wasn't even sleep deprived, but at like three o'clock in the afternoon, feeling like I'm going to nod off at my desk. Oh, it's a, such a horrible feeling when you can't stop yourself from falling asleep. You just like do that, the head jerk. Anyway, so sleepiness throughout the day, um, you know, experiencing a decrease in your cognitive function, you know, your ability to make decisions decreases, you can't concentrate, right? They're the obvious things. But the research actually shows that sleep deprivation can lead to more serious health problems and has been linked to things like premature death, cardiovascular disease, the development of diabetes, in particular type 2 diabetes, and A number of studies have also linked sleep duration with blood pressure, blood glucose levels, stress hormone levels, immune function, metabolic function, 
right? It's a pretty exhaustive little list. And so what I want to chat through is just this really fab little review that I've linked to in the show notes if you do want to read it. But basically, you know, there's a number of studies that have shown um, an association between short sleep duration and obesity. And basically, this, the research shows that individuals who have shortened sleep, so it's the duration of their sleep, um, less than seven hours a night is the category of short sleep duration. They have a higher prevalence of obesity and a higher body mass index than those who report adequate sleep, so seven to eight hours of sleep a night. And so they've got a number of sort of explanations or theories that they sort of have put forth to describe the link. And there's about sort of four of them. The first one is that, you know, you've got increased time awake. So there's more opportunity for you to eat. Now, this is certainly a valid point that I've observed anecdotally in my practice when chatting to people who are late night snackers or do what we call night eating syndrome. And that's where after dinner, right, the dishes are all done and packed away and you're sitting down with your laptop answering emails or browsing the internet or you're on your smartphone on YouTube or you're watching TV, right? And you're snacking while you're doing that. And sometimes, you know, if it's like 9, 10 p.m. and you had dinner at 6, it's it's now a good three, four, five hours since you had dinner and you're starting to get hungry. And so, in, but instead of going off to bed and going to sleep, you, you're, you're snacking. And so there's a lot of merit in certainly thinking about, all right, I need to get seven to eight hours of sleep a night and putting yourself to bed at a time that's going to enable you to get that much sleep, which will then limit the time awake at night to snack. Super valid reason. The second explanation that this study proposes is increased hunger from hormones signaling appetite and reduced satiety from hormones promoting satiation. And so look, the the hormonal landscape of your body, how's that for a description, hormonal landscape? I don't even know if that scientist who studied that would hear that and think that that was intelligent, but it sounded good in my head. But basically it's complicated, all the hormones that control your appetite. And so the studies have shown that sleep deprivation can um, change your appetite regulating hormones. Ghrelin levels can increase by up to 28%. Leptin is reduced by 18% and both of those two hormones do the opposite thing. Um, and essentially, basically, um, even self-reported hunger, so people feeling hungry and and saying, yes, my appetite in- is increased, that increases um by around 24% with people who are sleep deprived. And that's sort of consistent with this, the hormone data in these people. So there's certainly something that happens when you're not getting enough sleep that the hormones that, you know, trigger hunger and um, or make you feel full have um, been adjusted and are affected. And so as a result, your appetite changes. The third one is altered thermoregulation which is just around metabolism. So there is a slight amount of metabolic change. This is pretty complicated. And I have to be honest with you, I don't fully understand the mechanism here, um, but but know that you know it would be a contributing factor. So the change in metabolism there. And lastly, the, the fourth explanation is increased 
fatigue. So, you know, and that implies that because you're actually feeling tired and sleepy that you're you're just less active throughout the day. So therefore you're burning less energy. And so of course, all of these things, appetite hormone regulation, so feeling more hungry, a drive to eat, energy dense foods, less activity, right? More opportunity to eat is all a perfect storm for consuming more energy than your body needs. So an energy surplus, which then leads to weight gain over time. So we probably can't ever really say that poor sleep causes weight gain, but you know, shortened sleep duration certainly changes the factors that affect the way you manage your weight long term. Now, another really cool thing that this study showed was that people with shortened sleep duration or sleep restriction also showed a tendency towards wanting to eat high fat and high carbohydrate energy dense foods. And so other studies have found that there's an upregulation of reward, pleasure um, parts of the brain. So when you're full sleep deprived, you're more likely to want to choose something because you want to feel better. So that pleasure center of your brain is really going out and seeking something to eat that's going to make you feel good, reward yourself, right? You're sort of more geared up to making those decisions, which I thought was super interesting and I didn't actually know before I read this study. So as you can see, there's a number of things at play here when we're not getting enough sleep. So what do we do? Like how do we actually get some more sleep and start to look after ourselves a little bit better? Well, we we do want to be one managing, I guess from a more broader s- spectrum, the things in our life that affect our sleep. So I reckon from the get-go, the fact that we are contactable 24-7 now on our mobile devices, our tablets, our laptops, I certainly know for me that I find it really, really difficult to disconnect from my work. One of my staff members actually um, (laughs) got some emails from me this morning that I sent at 10.30 last night. She was like, oh, you were working late. And because I can work late, like I can sit with my laptop on the couch and right? I can send emails from my phone. I I can do things whenever I want to. And so the temptation to just keep working or to just be on the device or contact someone or get back to them is super, super tempting. And I can find myself on screens right before bed. And then of course, I do find that the screen time right before bed really impacts my sleep either because a problem's come through and now I'm, I'm worrying about it or even just the light from the device is now keeping me awake, a number of things. Even other people with like more demanding jobs um, where you've got high stress or and that's stopping you from sleeping or shift work style positions. So you've got really um, odd um, waking and sleeping times and there's no routine managing competing priorities with your family and caring for someone, you know, like life is pretty full on. So I do think it's worthwhile tackling sleep from a little bit more of that broader perspective about seeing what it is that might be affecting you. But I guess firstly, you know, I'd encourage you if you are struggling with your sleep, that it does need to be prioritized as an important part of self-care. And like any kind of behavior change that you were making, like with your food or with your exercise, or anything is that you want to tackle sleep in the same way, just small, achievable, realistic changes, 
you know, don't try and wake up at 5am if you're not an early riser or write my story at the beginning. It's just finding the things that work for you and that you can achieve. But I think, you know, if you can see improving your sleep as a means to an end, you know, better quality, longer sleep will mean you have a sharper mind, you'll have better work outcomes, you'll have higher energy throughout the day, you'll be a better parent, a better partner, you know, it will have a flow and effect to all sorts of areas of your life. So it'd be definitely worth prioritizing. So prioritize first. Second, definitely reduce your screen time, in particular the time before you sleep. So um, they reckon, you know, giving yourself like a two hour window before it's time to sleep where there's no screen time so that you don't have the light affecting your sleep rhythms and things like that. But just in general, putting some boundaries around your screens and I'm preaching to myself here, right? And lastly is having some consistent daily routines. So thinking about if you can, and it's obviously not always possible with all lifestyles, but just trying to wake up and go to sleep at the same time or similar times every day will help your body settle into a routine. I will leave you with this one piece of advice in that there are professionals out there who can help you improve your sleep. And I would say that if this is a huge area for you and it's having a flow on effect to other parts of your life, that is worth investing in. Well, that's it for today, team. Sleep well tonight. I know so many people that are frustrated by the fact that healthy eating is really hard to stick to, especially if they've spent so many years trying diet after diet and meal plan after meal plan. And I've just found, you know, after 16 years as a nutritionist, that at the end of the day, I believe that healthy eating is a skill. And so I created a unique program that helps people develop the skill of healthy eating. It combines micro learning, support, behavior change principles, right at your fingertips. And so instead of sticking to a diet, you are encouraged to change your behavior one habit at a time, as well as also delivering you heaps of achievable, practical nutrition advice, lots of recipes, food inspiration, things like that. Life's too short to live with food stress. To become a habit builder and not a crash dieter, join my program today at healthyeatinghub.com.au. Well, that's it for the show today. If you're liking what you're hearing, give me a review. Leave some five stars there. I would super love that. Share this podcast with a friend and we'll see you next time.